and welcome, welcome to Unstable <laughs> Universes, where we run two of your favorite fandoms at once. I'm Alana Hopper. I'm Evan Rowell. And I'm Bradley Manhands. That's right, we have another special guest this episode, Bradley Whoa. Manhands. Hey! I like it better when someone else calls me Manhands instead of me just calling myself that. Because <laughs> I feel like I call myself it a little bit too much. Yeah, it's a bit too much like, I gave myself this Yeah, name. exactly. I swear... Someone gave it to me for real, so. And okay, it's, no, it's sure, sure. It's true. I'll tell That's you that like, yeah, your mother gave it to you because uh, it's your birth name? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, exactly, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> you mean my last name? Yeah. Uh, All right, what do we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we randomly generate a fan fiction crossover, and then we have to write it, and it's usually horrible, and then we read it to you our lovely listeners. Lovely listeners. Last lovely. week, in our random Tandem Fandom Generator segment, we got Back to the Future, Stephen Colbert, and Alex gave us Spooky. I'm actually very thankful for the spookiness part of it. I scare very easily, and I don't like horror or gore or anything like that. <laughs> so when you guys asked me to be on the Halloween episode, I was like, shit, like, this is not going to be a good situation for I me. I think that spooky is a lot harder to write than horror. Oh yeah, because you can just write, there's blood everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's easy. There but was you... lightning and skeletons. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all mine is. jack o Are there skeletons in yours? No. Damn, there's lightning in mine. Ooh, there's lightning in mine as well. Ooh. There's no lightning in mine. There's sparks. So you don't have lightning or skeletons, but that's pretty much all yours is. Yes. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> Listen. Something here is off. <laughs> you filthy, filthy liar. Listen, it's the spirit of lightning and skeletons. Also, good band name. Alright, so... Yes, last week we did our random tandem phantoms, now we have our fan fictions. They're ready to go. They're they're hot off the press. Locked I finished mine night. about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I finished mine last night at 2am. I finished mine last night at, like, 10. You know what happened last time you finished something at 2am? The Muppet episode. The Muppet episode! Dun, that, dun, dun. <laughs> that's what happens when you write at 2am, Alana. <laughs> yeah, but this one's so clean. From okay. a viewer's perspective... I don't know what happened in that story. <laughs> that's fair. Ha- that's for the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alana, I need oh, a title. No. Okay, that is ridiculous. Every single time I <laughs> listen to this stupid little podcast you guys do, I'm like, fucking put a title, guys. It's not that hard. No. Literally, as I was walking into your house, I looked at my papers like, shit. I don't know a fucking title. Like, <laughs> you see, you forget. It's yeah. so easy. It's like you get so deep into this stupid little story that you're writing that you forget to title it. What's your title? Fake News Destroys Lives. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is Fake News Destroys Lives? Yeah. By Alana. Marty reclined in Doc's laboratory. He slowly strummed his electric guitar, each note blowing his hair back from the extreme winds caused by the speakers. Einstein lunged at Marty's feet. Do you mean lounged? Yeah. Oh. Einstein lounged at Marty's feet, his soft puppy snores inaudible over the loud guitar. On the other side of the room, Doc was messing with something that Marty could only describe as high-tech radio. Um, how is he sleeping if the if the amplifier is blown? He's deaf. Oh. Have you seen how old Einstein is? Real old. He's, he's okay. He's not that old. He time travels. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's deaf from listening to it so much. Yeah, maybe. Cool. He just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. yeah. Marty stopped his strumming to walk over to Doc, making sure not to wake Einstein. Without the loud wailing of the electric guitar, Marty could hear the voice coming clearly from the radio. Come here, Marty. Listen to this madness. 
Doc said, gesturing wildly for Marty to make his way over quickly. The voice coming over the radio was charismatic and charming, like most disc jockeys. But he was definitely not introducing the next rocking track. He was instead talking about science. Bill Nye says that vaccines are good for us, but our president, Dr. Emmett Brown, has personally informed me that they cause autism. Who are we supposed to believe? Some random man or our loving and gracious president? Wake up, sheeple. There's fake news all around you. Remember, I'm Stephen Colbert, and my show is the only place for you to get real facts. The outro music slowly died out <laughs> with the broadcast. Marty just stood in place confused. Is that his tagline? <laughs> my show's the only place to get real fact. What does that mean, Doc? He asked. It means we have to go to the future, Marty. That broadcast we just listened to is from the year 2020. Someone is clearly using my fame to spread lies. Doc threw his oh. hands up in anger. His wiry white hair was standing at all angles. I like that. I was a little confused. I was like, why would Doc Brown ever say that? Yeah. yeah. So He's a man of science. Yeah, exactly. He knows what's what. Something's not right here. Yeah. A, Something a, is spooky. There's a mystery afoot. <laughs> Marty felt doubt. He knew how much time travel could affect a person, especially traveling so far into the future. Maybe that actually was Doc, and fame had just gone to his head. Marty tried to shake those bad thoughts away. Doc would never go against science. So instead he nodded his head. Let's ride. Climbing into the DeLorean smelled like burning gasoline and home. Marty revved the engine as Doc punched in the desired time period. Then everything flashed white. The world was unlike anything Marty was used to. Screens filled every imaginable surface. Some screens displayed this Col Stephen Colbert dude. He ignored scientific research entirely and instead focused solely on what the president was up to each day. Other screens showed live messages of the president's thoughts. Marty felt uneasy. It reminded him of mind control. Doc pulled on a balaclava to hide his face. <laughs> because people are he's the president. If, he, if the president is him, he would have to hide his face so that people wouldn't be like, holy shit, the president's walking around Holy with shit, us. the president's 35 years younger than he should be. <laughs> so yeah, he's wearing a balaclava. Isn't a baklava? No, that's a dessert. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out! <laughs> balaclava is like a ski mask. Yeah. Oh. Doc pulled on a balaclava to hide his face. Marty pulled out his Razor scooter and Doc hopped on the back. Together they made their way towards the White House. Adults walked down the street with semi-automatic rifles strapped to their backs, and their children carried handguns, all clearly on display. Shots rang out a few times during our hero's ride. Probably another hate crime, Marty heard someone mumble. Jesus Christ. I can't wait for 2020. <laughs> The sun was setting as the gang pulled up to the White House's gates. A crash of thunder darkened the sky. Seems like a storm is rolling in, came the deathly whisper of a well-dressed businessman. You've got that right, amigo, responded Doc. Will you help me and the boy get over this wall? Ha! He's building walls everywhere to keep out people like us. Too bad all of us illegals have ladders, laughed the Mexican man. That's gonna be five dollars. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> That's fair. He gestured to the ladder he had behind him and the s fat stacks of cash bulging out of his pockets. He's making mad money. Yeah. That's why he's a well-dressed businessman. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, okay. It's all coming together. Marty paid the man and hoisted himself over the wall. 
him and Doc made their way through the Rose Garden. Hey, I also have the Rose Garden. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The sky darkened to a deep charcoal black, and the first drops of rain splashed against their shoulders. Lightning crashed down, hitting the hydro pole next to the snazzy Mexican man. He let out a shout as sparks rained down on him. Marty and Doc were plunged into the darkness as all of the lights in the house went out. This may be a bad time to tell you, but I'm afraid of the dark, whispered Doc. Sure. <laughs> Marty, Marty pulled out some glow sticks from his backpack and shook them. <laughs> Doc took the sticks and created a light-up tiara. <laughs> Is he still wearing his, bal- wearing his balaclava? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I guess. Thank you, Doc whispered. I feel much less spooked now. Oh, spooky. The cool rock and roll boy led the way down the halls of the White House. The smart crazy boy followed close behind. They held hands partly in fear and partly so they wouldn't get separated. The shuffle of their footsteps seemed deathly loud in the cold hardwood floor. Which was are we going? (laughs) Which was were we going, guys? (laughs) Which way are we going? I assume so. Marty asked. He was leading. He was leading. Why is he asking which way to go? Because he doesn't know which way they're going. Why is he leading? I don't know. Doc doesn't know where they're going either. Keep reading. Doc's scared of the dark, guys. Did we forget? (laughs) Which way are we going, Marty asked. Doc took a moment to pull out a holographic map. They stopped walking to find their path, but the sound of footsteps continued, getting closer and closer. Doc felt his lunch rise up into his throat in fear felt a sharp tug on his lab coat, and fell through a doorway. The door quietly <laughs> closed behind him. Welcome back, said an insidious voice. Doc's head whipped around in the direction of the voice. He came face to face with his doppelganger. His face was lit from below by the torch on his iPhone. The way he slightly shook his hand made the shadows appear even more ominous. That was spooky. <laughs> right? You, Doc yelled. What did you do with the boy? He's safe. The Secret Service should have him by now, replied the clone. You aren't me. Why are you using my credibility to destroy society? These people believe in you, and you're using them to make money? Doc pleaded. A flashlight clicked on behind the clone, illuminating Marty's face. Because he wants higher ratings, he said before reaching down and pulling the face prosthetic and wig right off the imposter's face, revealing none other than Stephen Colbert. Dun, dun, dun! What a twist. What a twist. (laughs) It's almost like we had to put Stephen Colbert in there somewhere. As if he shoehorned in. (laughs) The footsteps from outside the door came back. He went in there, came a shout, and suddenly the room was filled with hundreds of Secret Service agents, each wearing a body cam that had a live feed to every screen in the country. No, screamed Colbert. It took a moment for the Secret Service agents to fully understand what was happening. But once they figured it out, they began to arrest Colbert. And I would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. Wait. Marty stopped the police from putting handcuffs on Stephen. Explain yourself to the citizens. They deserve that at least. (laughs) Stephen. Explain yourself. (laughs) Stephen took a deep breath. I just wanted to get more views on YouTube. Ever since the adpocalypse, there has been even more money for talk show hosts like me. I don't even believe the things I say. It's just a character. What if instead of going to jail, you turn your talk show into a satire? I can do that. What an easy way. (laughs) So, Mr. President, do we pardon this fool or not? 
a Secret Service agent asked the real Doc. Yes, pardon him, Doc replied. Marty, you can go home. I think I'm going to hang around and play president for a while. The end. The end. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> kind of confusing. A little bit, but I like the Scooby-Doo aspect of it. Am I reading now? Yeah. Woo! Stephen woke with a start. Hey, wait. Oh, I wait, need he a... needs a title. Oh, so a... fuck me. <laughs> Sorry. You see, the title is everyone always forget. Hey, what's the title? There's no title here. <laughs> oh, uh, shit. This one is called Back to the White House. Back to the White House. Stephen woke with a start. He sat up in his bed, eyes darting around the room to find the source of the noise that roused him from his sleep. He heard it again. Uh, tap, tap, tap. Then a voice shouting, Open up, Marty! From his window. Stephen wiped the sleep from his eyes and grabbed the forty-four Magnum from under his pillow. Jesus. He approached the window cautiously, hands shaking slightly. The tapping stopped as he pulled back the curtain to reveal a crazed-looking elderly man perched on the sill of his second-story window. Great Scott! You're not Marty! The old man said, meeting Stephen's gaze. Out of pure American intuition, Stephen pulled the trigger, shattering the glass and hitting the... What the... Geriatric? Geriatric man straight in the chest. He flew back, losing his balance on the small landing outside the window and plummeted down and out of sight. Whoa. Heavy. Came another voice from behind him. What in the name of Willard Howard Taft is are you doing in my house, yelled Stephen. Whirling around to face the second intruder, before he could take another shot, his knees went weak with the slight sight of a biohazard suit standing in front of him. The world went fuzzy and faded to black as he fell into a panic-induced sleep. Oh, he fainted because there was a biohazard suit in front of him. Oh. Like when he did that to his dad in the yeah. first Back yeah. to the Future movie. Darth Vader they thought they were aliens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the second time, Stephen woke up with a start. He felt a sting on the right side of his face and again on the left side. He opened his eyes to see the man he had shot in a younger man in a white jumpsuit standing over him. Yeah. In a younger man? A- and. Ah. <laughs> that should say and. It does. <laughs> okay. I thought that was going to be real sexual. He opened his eyes to see the man he had shot in a younger man in a white jumpsuit standing over him. He glanced around nervously and saw that he was in a car, but it had been severely modified. There are many additional gadgets on the dashboard, covered in lights. What, what, what's going on? Where are you taking me? Who put you up to this? Was it John Stewart? I can pay you double whatever he's paying. Stephen's voice <laughs> turned into a confused mumble to a terrified scream. I'm Marty, and that man you shot earlier is Dr. Emmett Brown. We're from 1985, the younger man explained. 1985? Stephen could barely follow what this young fellow was saying. Yes, Stephen, 1985. We're time travelers, and we need your help. Ronald Reagan needs your help, Marty said. What? Marty said slowly. President Reagan needs my help? I would do anything to help the man that created... Reaganomics. Reaganomics. (laughs) Stephen felt honored to be given such a task, but his heart sank when he made a realization. But I have a show to film tomorrow morning. I'm contractually obligated to never miss an episode. Stephen... We're in a time machine. We'll get you back with time to spare. Yeah, Ooh. what an idiot Steven yeah. is. What a fucking idiot. He's, <laughs> still, he's still getting his head around this whole time travel thing. <laughs> Marty reminded him, reminded the confused television host. 
None of that makes any sense, yelled Stephen. Stephen, you must be hired by the Daily Show. We've got something to show you. Marty offered a hand to help Stephen up and out of the car. As he got out and looked back at the vehicle, he realized it had been covered in roses and was sitting in the middle of a flower bed. Strange, but at this point, what's normal, Stephen thought. Stephen continued to look at the scenery around him and made the quick realization that this wasn't some drunk old man and his grandnephew wow, kidnapping him and crashing into a random garden. It wasn't just a random garden. I'm just going to delete that. <laughs> this was the Kennedy Garden at the White House. The White House was right in front of him. But this wasn't the modern White House. It didn't have all the modern security features. This was older. Wait, are we in 1985 right now? Stephen asked slowly. You bet we are. And once we're inside, we're going to see some serious shit. Doc Brown exclaimed. Good reference. Before charging forward toward the White House. Stephen and Marty followed the determined old man through the garden and toward the building. Despite it being the dead of night, the door was unlocked. The door creaked open in front of them, and they sneaked in one by one. All of the lights were off, and the hall was quiet. But Doc Brown seemed to know where he was going. He had led them deeper into the presidential estate, the silence unchanging until they approached the Lincoln bedroom. Doc laid an ear against the door and nodded back to Marty, who did the same. Stephen then took his turn. From within, he heard creaking and wheezing. Utterly confused, Stephen took a step back, and Doc Brown slowly opened the door. All three peered into the bedroom. I was imagining, like, yeah, like Scooby the Doo. Scooby-Doo style, where yeah. they're, yeah, like, on top of each other somehow. Yeah, or, like, the episode of Friends where their heads get stuck in the door. All three peered to see into the bedroom. Where the room should be empty, except for furniture, there was a single figure sitting on the old couch, sitting in the middle of the room. The figure's back was turned to the group. But Stephen's heart lurched into his throat when he realized the whole body of the man was translucent with a tiny, with a tint of blue and a gunshot wound through the back of his head. Doc Brown and Marty stepped in confidently. Mr. Lincoln, your term as president is long over. You can't stay here anymore, bellowed the old doctor. The figure turned around to face the yelling man. His face was motionless, but his eyes were balls of blue fire. They flared as the ghost of Abraham Lincoln began to float upward, hovering a few feet above the ground. A savage wind picked up and swirled around the room, picking Ooh. up any loose odds and ends. Is his top hat cut off a little bit? Yeah, his top hat might be in the ceiling. A bit. Oh, okay. Just a mm. little bit, though. Just a little yeah, bit. Just no, like... You can still see his face, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay, trying to get an image. Is the ceiling high or is his top hat high? Both. Stephen shielded his face as old-fashioned pens and china cups flew towards him. I don't know what's in the Lincoln bedroom. But the other... So I just chose old things. <laughs> okay, sure. But pens the... and cups. <laughs> yeah, that's presidential, right? Yeah. But the other two jumped into action. Marty ran to the bedroom and ripped off the sheets, tossing one end of the cloth to, the, to Doc. They both fought against the torrential wind and slowly began to wrap the ghost's incorporeal body in the sheets. This is where you come in, boy. While we have him restrained, you need to shoot him right through the bullet hole from the theater, yelled Doc. Stephen reached down into his pocket of his plaid pajama pants and realized he still had his forty-four Magnum. He took it out of name carefully, his hands shaking more than ever. I can't do it, Doc, Stephen replied, <laughs> having to scream over the roaring wind. He was the president of my United States. Oh. It would be against every fiber of my being to shoot a president. It's your goddamn right as an American citizen to shoot whoever you damn please. Do it! 
practice your Second Amendment rights, Stephen. Below the dock, struggling to keep Lincoln's ghost encapsulated in the thin bedsheet, Stephen paused for a moment, considering the implications of shooting a president, but decided Doc was right. It's more American to shoot whoever you want than it is to idolize a president. He squeezed the trigger. It's so bad. Whew, this is real. He squeezed the trigger and felt the familiar gun kick back. The bullet flew and followed the exact path that John Wilkes Booth bullet had so many years ago. Debatable. It had... No, exactly the same. <laughs> it pierced the back of the ghostly skull, and with a shrill scream and a flash of blue light, the sheet that Doc and Marty were holding was empty. The wind stopped and all the flying objects shattered, clattered to the floor. You did it! You did it! You did it, Stephen! Exclaimed Marty. We gotta get out of here before the Secret Services come. Quickly, boys, back to the DeLorean, replied Doc. The three sneaked back down the hallways and out of the Kennedy Garden. They hopped in the time-traveling DeLorean, and Stefan was back in, the, in time to record his show. Detailed the previous unknown 1985 haunting of the White House and three mysterious heroes that saved President Reagan from ghostly possession. The end. The end. Okay, I was going to have so many questions, but... The last line cleared up some things. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't know why they needed to re-kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, entire, the entire fic, I'm like, I thought that they were saving Reagan. Yeah, they are from ghostly possession. Apparently. I yeah. decided that at the end. <laughs> okay, so the reason Doc survived getting shot is because he had the, the like, body shield that he had at the end of the first movie. Oh. Okay. When did this take place? After the events of the first movie? Yeah. It was before the Western bullshit. Delusions. Okay, so before the third. Yeah. It's it's actually funny. As I was hearing your flicks, I see elements of my flick, fic in there, too. Like, I have. Yeah. I got some of the stuff you got, so it's kind of funny how we're all <laughs> coming together a little bit. Okay. All right, it's time for Brad's debut. Okay, what is the title I of this I actually fic? need to think about this for a second. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, I gotta remember what I wrote. Okay, mine is gonna be called Finding Yourself in Time. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here is Finding Yourself in Time by Mr. Bradley Manhands. On the night of October 31st, 2013, Stephen Colbert gazed blankly out a window, but not past its reflection. His face was only inches away from the glass, but he couldn't recognize the man who stared back at him. The spooky music of the Halloween party was silenced by his internal crisis. He looked down at his mug and swirled a steaming beverage, gaze lowering. He raised the mug to his lips. Microwaved apple cider and coconut rum slid down his throat. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> that sounds awful. It is delicious. I'll make you guys a cup later. <laughs> why specifically in the microwave? Also, because it's sad. Apple cider and coconut rum. Yeah, That's I'm a sad not... party. I'm convinced of It's delicious, trust. Get used to it. It's gonna come back again. Stephen Colbert had trouble deciding if he enjoyed the cocktail, as he could only think in right-wing commentary. <laughs> Stephen Colbert placed his mug on the windowsill and scanned the reflection again. He noticed two men standing behind him. Frightened, Stephen Colbert spun around, defending himself with a false smile and right-wing humor. When the man dressed as a mad scientist spoke, Hello, Mr. Colbert. My name is Dr. Emmett Brown, and my associate's name is Marty McFly, the scientist said. 
And we need you to travel through time in order to avoid a nuclear war. Whoa. Even with his immense practice, Stephen Colbert's fake smile slipped into a weary frown. Through a forced chuckle, Stephen argued, All right, sure. One internal crisis at a time, please. Pushing past the two men, suddenly desperate to reheat his drink. (laughs) Ew. It is delicious. I don't know about that. The other man, Marty, who was dressed in a bright orange life preserver, grasped Stephen Colbert's arm and said, Aw, come on, Stephen Colbert. You gotta come with us. In the future, America goes to war with North Korea, and millions of people die. Only you, me, and the doc can save them. The words made him pause. For a moment, he thought that this may be the path to finding himself again. I assure you, this is no joking matter, Stephen Colbert heard Dr. Brown say. The future is in imminent danger. How imminent? Stephen questioned without thinking. In the future. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait. They're time travelers, so I guess it's not too imminent, right? Oh, surprise, Dr. Brown claimed. Well, imminent is a relative term when it comes to time travel. But in this case, within the next few years. But we must act swiftly if the future is to be saved, Stephen. Stephen Colbert instinctively grasped onto the offer with an iron grip. What exactly do I need to do? Stefan questioned at this one. <laughs> Stefan? Stefan. <laughs> it's a new character. <laughs> it's an original character. Oh, see. It's a self-insert. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Van Hall. <laughs> That's my other alter ego. The trio had left the party and entered a vastly modified Mazda 3 before Stephen Colbert got an answer to his question. We have to kill a young boy, Dr. Brown sighed. Buckled in and distracted by the colorful displays, Stephen Colbert missed the timing to refute the comment because suddenly the Mazda 3 accelerated to 88 miles per hour. Ooh. (laughs) They disappeared in a flash of light, leaving nothing but a tire trail of fire. Stephen Colbert happily recognized the new setting as only a few decades in the past. When the time machine stopped, Dr. Brown and Marty both turned towards Stephen Colbert to justify their mission, but were interrupted when the doors of the Mazda 3 were violently opened. Uh-oh. Before Stephen Colbert could react, a syringe was plunged into the necks of both Dr. Brown and Marty, oh, their expressions falling just before two masked men swiftly removed their limp bodies from the time machine. Stephen Colbert instinctively jerked to pursue the kidnappers, but recoiled from his attached seatbelt's protective embrace. (laughs) Stephen Colbert (laughs) screamed like a little bitch! Uh, You said that in like the first two or three episodes, and then you missed it. I was like, oh, come on, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love that, so I brought it back. Don't you worry. (laughs) When the masked kidnappers suddenly blocked both doorways of the Mazda 3... To silence the screaming, the kidnapper took off his mask to reveal the fa- the burnt face of an older and more tired Dr. Emmett Brown, Ooh. who also wore an eye patch. Stefan <laughs> stared in shock <laughs> as other kidnappers revealed himself to be an older, beaten-up Marty McFly, who is also missing an arm. Ooh. He's missing an arm! <laughs> Where'd it go? Where is it? He just had it a minute ago. Oh, it's just behind him. Never mind. <laughs> It's just tucked into his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Halloween costume. As if this Dr. Brown knew what Stephen Colbert was going to say, he announced, Don't be alarmed. This is our 36th attempt. 
From the other doorway, Marty said, We had to stop ourselves, he said with a forced smile. Let's just say this plan didn't turn out so well. Stefan was was forcing himself not to question them, but simply ask, What is it I need to do? Spook him, cold air. You need to spook a child. (laughs) Dr. Brown cried. Confused, Stephen Colbert argued. But before you said, Oh, never mind. Never mind that Stephen. Spook him. All we need to do is spook him, Stephen. Quickly, I might add, Dr. Brown said. Stephen Colbert unbuckled and shuffled out of the car, and with a single arm thrust, Marty wordlessly presented him with an Abraham Lincoln costume. Crossover. (laughs) (laughs) Two small throwing axes included. Oh. He cut down the trees, right? No, that was Washington. (laughs) After positioning the beard so that it looked historically accurate, Doc checked his watch and said, Great Scott, is that the time? Stephen Colbert, we need to transport you now or you'll miss our only opportunity. Stephen Colbert nodded with determination. Now that you look like a president, you need to scare the child with the orange skin so that he loses all dreams of becoming one. This is a simple but imperative task. Don't move from where we transport you. And once you spook him, I designed the costume to instantly transport you back to the space and time of the party we originally found you at. That's impressive. Dr. Brown's eyes began to tear as he said, If everything goes well, you will never see us again. It has been a pleasure working for so long with you, Stephen. More than you could ever know. Stephen Colbert opened his mouth to thank the duo, but Dr. Brown twisted something on his wristwatch, and Stephen Colbert recoiled from being struck by 1.21 gigawatts of lightning. Gigawatts! Gigawatts! Gigawatts. 1.21 gigawatts! Gigawatts! When he opened his eyes, Stephen Colbert was standing in the bathtub of a bathroom with the lights off. Stephen Colbert waited, as he was instructed, not even daring to leave the boundary of the bathtub. Finally, with a chance to breathe, Stephen realized that, for some reason, he was genuinely excited to scare a child. That's kind of fucked. Yeah, I know. It's spooky. <laughs> Without warning, the door swung open and the lights flashed on. A small Oompa Loompa-looking boy strode into the bathroom, mumbling to himself, My father's small loan of a million Lego blocks is going to allow me to build a wall to make sure no one can enter my room. The boy pursed his lips into a duck face as he looked at himself in the mirror. It's gonna be huge. (laughs) It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. Stephen Colbert immediately sprang into action. Jumping out the bathroom, the boy's face contorted as he witnessed Abraham Lincoln pop out of his bathtub. Jumping towards the boy, Stephen Colbert shattered the mirror when he swung the axe in his left hand deep into the wall behind it, while shouting out a triumphant, boo. (laughs) The boy ran for the door and swung it open to escape his attacker, but Stephen Colbert was quick. He threw his remaining axe with such precision that it not only impaled the boy's tiny toupee, but the axe drove itself so deep between the door and the doorframe that it would never open again. Ooh. Ever again. Ever again? Does Ever the boy again. starve to death in this bathroom? Just you, read. you keep reading. The bald boy became a cornered animal, despite for desperate, desperate for escape <laughs> when he noticed a window, and without hesitation, hurled himself at it. Whoa. The sound of shattered glass was followed by a brief pause, then a distant thud. Whoa. He had done it. Stephen Colbert had spooked a child, and then suddenly, 
struck by 1.21 gigawatts of lightning. Gigawatts. Fuck, I fucked it up again. <laughs> fucked it up again. Fucked it up again. Gigawatts of lightning. Stuck. <laughs> struck by 1.21 gigawatts of lightning. Stephen Colbert found himself in yet another bathtub. But he relaxed when the sound of spooky, scary skeletons. Spooky, scary skeletons. Send shivers down your spine. And wafting scent of apple cider and coconut rum seeped into the dark bathroom. Stefan felt reborn as he returned to his party. His glass of apple cider, capitalized this time, (laughs) and coconut rum still warm on the windowsill. Though he now sipped it while looking at his reflection, understanding the man who looked back at him. Chapter break, three years later. Ooh. Stephen Colbert did not want his adventure to end, so he devoted himself to using his influence to prevent the war with North Korea. Immediately after the journey with Dr. Brown and Marty, Stephen Colbert, he pushed to end the Colbert Report. He could no longer be a slave to a persona that not only distorted his own personality, but may very well promote a nuclear war, no matter how disconnected or funny it may be. Instead, Stephen Colbert pushed himself onto a late-night talk show where he continually made fun of and questioned crazy politicians. Though, on a chilly morning in early November of 2016, Stephen Colbert chuckled when he found himself staring out a window yet again. With a mug of hot apple cider and coconut rum wrapped in his hand, Stephen Colbert looked at the reflection in the window. A television screen displaying the results of the presidential election stared lifelessly back at him. Stephen Colbert chuckled, took a sip of his beverage, and whispered, I'm ready for the next adventure, my old friends. (laughs) So who won the election? Donald Trump. But I thought that he jumped out the window and died. died. Yeah, he didn't work. Oh, he didn't die? No, he didn't die. He just landed. I don't kill kids. That's fucked up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he didn't die. He still haven't. Because now they gotta stop it again, because the war's gonna come back. Oh. oh. They have to spook him again. Spook yeah. didn't work. Yeah, exactly. So, And he's, like, getting off, because he wants to go on another adventure. Because he was confused about himself in the start. Yeah. I wanted to, like... The hero's journey. It is exactly the hero's journey. I got an article, it had 12 steps, and I followed each one of them. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Evan told me there should be a thousand words. I was like, okay. A thousand divided by 12 is 80. So each of these paragraphs should be 80 words. And then it got that a little crazy. That doesn't happen. 80 words is not a lot. No, it's not. It's yeah. hard. 80 words can be like one sentence. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. Let's jump right into random, random tandem fandoms. Oh my god, that's definitely blown out. Can I click it? Yes, of course. This <laughs> is... I was... On my way here, I was thinking like... I am fucking pumped for Random Tandem So Fandoms. yes, Random Tandem Phantoms is the segment where we decide what we are going to be writing next week. So Brad, hit that button. Okay. Drum roll, please. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, interesting. So we are looking at Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. I dig it. And it's a curtain fic. Okay. What is a curtain fic? A curtain fic is peeling back the curtain to see an aspect of someone's life. So it's kind of like a slice of life. Interesting. Yeah. I got. Yeah. I could. I could. Uh, I got an idea already. Okay. So, <laughs> what do you guys know about Steven Universe? Um, it's a cartoon. It is a cartoon. Yep. There's gems. Yep. It's. I know even less about it than I thought. Progressive I did. in its genders. Oh yeah. Why? Because all of the crystal gems are girls. Oh. 
Good. Oh, really? I thought that they were, like, non-binary or something. Well, they're all, like, they all, like, use female pronouns. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Regardless of how they look, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Hmm. and a lot of them are gay as fuck. All you have to know is they fight evil gems. Okay. So, what do you guys know about Nightmare on Elm Street? Freddy? Freddy. Yep, Freddy Krueger. So, he goes into your dreams, and if he kills you in your dreams, you die in real life. Yep. And, basically, he goes around, and he kills people who made him die. Yeah. He was a child killer. Yeah, or he was a child new, molester. In the new version, he's a child molester. In the Ooh. original, they only say he killed children. Yeah. And uh, he makes a lot of bad puns, which actually is going to fit in, in really well with Steven Universe. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And you get some real shit deaths in Nightmare oh, on Elm Street. Like, as the movies ones. go yeah. on, they get, like, more and more bullshit. Have you seen the... The video game one, no. where he like gets the power glove and he's oh. like, "Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> that's my favorite death out of any horror movie ever." But it's like, amazing. Funny. But have you seen the one where he's chasing a black girl and he says, "How sweet, dark meat." Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Also, he calls oh, people no. bitches a lot. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> he says bitch a lot. <laughs> bitches. Anyways. <laughs> But yeah, and then we've already kind of discussed Kurt and Fick. It's Fick slice Fick. of life, just kind of day in the life sort of stuff. Yeah. I think mine's still going to be kind of spooky, honestly. I was yeah. about to say, this is a good Halloween one, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. good thing it's coming out after Halloween. All right, well, I think it's about time to wrap this bad boy up. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course. This is so much fun. It was We're... actually very stressful writing the Fick, but this yeah. is awesome. Brad, is there anything you want our listeners to know about you? Is there um, anything they can check out of yours? Oh, anything I can plug? Well, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of ideas in my head, a lot of problems <laughs> I want to do. Um, maybe eventually you can hear me on the Philosotox podcast. Um... Hopefully I can give Evan a link to put in the show notes. Yeah. I'm also making another podcast called Parental Guidance, and that's a podcast with me and my mom. Well, that's cute. Oh. So that's pretty exciting. That's super cute. I now need to figure out hosting, but other than that, keep your eyes on me. Look, look out for Bradley Manhands every once in a while. I'm going to do some cool shit sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> Got some ideas. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for Manhands Productions. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, that's uh, at... On, on podcast, you can like our Facebook page. If you want to write in uh, a Steven Universe Nightmare on Elm Street curtain fic, you can either send that to us over Facebook or tweet us a link or send it to our email at unstableuniverses at gmail.com. If you want to review us on iTunes or whatever other thing you can review us on, like feel free to do that. It is probably the most important thing. It's supposed to help us get like ranked better on Let's iTunes see. and shit. So, if you want to do that, we'd appreciate it. Maybe we'll read your review. Do it. That I think that's it for today. Okay, thank you for listening. I've been Evan Rowell. And I'm Bradley Manhands. I'm Alana. <laughs> See ya! We've been 